In the age of Instagram and social sharing, brick-and-mortar businesses offer a unique advantage that even the biggest and best online platforms can't compete with. On Brick and Mortar Reborn, we talk with business owners and industry experts about what they're seeing work best for brick and mortar businesses who aren't just competing with their online counterparts, but thriving in spite of all the options that customers now have. We'll share exactly what you can do to set yourself up for success with an experience that wows your customers and keeps them coming back for more. And now our host, Bobby Maramat. Hi everyone, welcome to another edition of Brick and Mortar Reborn. Today we have a very special guest with us, Jeremy Goldman, Principal Analyst at Insider Intelligence and eMarketer. Jeremy, welcome to the show. It's great to be with you, Bobby. Thank you. Likewise, likewise. Before we get started, uh, tell us about Jeremy. What are you all about? What is What has your experience been throughout your career? Uh, just to get to know you real quick. Absolutely. In a nutshell, I worked for a number of years on the brand side, managing the digital marketing for, you know, largely beauty brands uh, wound up starting an agency focused on digital marketing and anticipating future trends, uh, then sold that and realized what I wanted to really do is study it full time and, uh, you know, try to figure out where things are going and advise clients in a more macro sense. And that's when I joined Insider Intelligence. That's awesome. That's awesome. Tell us a little bit about Insider Intelligence. Of course, as the name says, you are focused on on research and analytics uh, in the space, but tell us a bit more. Yeah, so um, I am part of the eMarketer team, which covers basically everything marketing and technology as the, the way that I simplify it. And we have a number of different desks that try to do a deep dive into basically everything that you need to know to be successful uh, these days within marketing because it keeps on changing so quickly, right? So there's digital digital transformation, influencer marketing, social media, uh, mobile marketing, even some legacy marketing like direct mail and email. So we basically get to run the gamut and I'm primarily covering customer experience, which is great because that's incredibly broad and one of the most impactful things that a brand can uh, do these days. Absolutely, absolutely. And you also uh, host your own show, of course, Future Proof. It's a podcast, and you, you really take te- talk technology. Tell us uh, a little bit about what the focus of Future Proof is. Yeah, so I was doing that even while I had my agency, and I've been doing it, you know, even independently of my my daytime work. So I, I say, like, all of my, my hobbies are also work-related. So Future Proof... <laughs> Is, is designed to focus on uh, the future of really the intersection of technology and society. So I'll jump on issues that might be like a little bit more policy or politically related or things that might be a little farther afield than what I'm generally covering during the day. You know, things that we might not have to think about as a society for like 10 years, but we should still be thinking about like, is uh, automation going to be taking all of our jobs and other uplifting topics? (laughs) <laughs> absolutely absolutely well that's, that's it's great to have someone that has so much brand experience and also uh technology experience uh because i think those are the two biggest areas where of course our listeners are, are most interested in, in learning more so again very very excited uh, to be able to talk through a little bit of your expertise and and what guidance you have for our for our listeners here you know with that jeremy i wanted to learn a little bit more about you know as you've been kind of working with different brands over the years and especially you know going into into COVID, what are some of the the value drivers what are some of the consumer behavior changes that you've seen over the last you know i guess few years uh now that we 
you know, gone into COVID and, and, and coming out uh, of a new norm, if you will? Yeah, I mean, it's a really good question. And I think that people can define value drivers in so many different ways. So this might not necessarily be three, but it's the way that I'm thinking about it these days, which is just at a very basic level. Brands who are meeting the needs of the customer, those are the ones who are really getting ahead. That's the number one value driver is just meeting basic needs, period. You know, are you doing that? And are you doing that at an A-plus level? And then I think that there's really two other value drivers that are very closely related, meaning, and I I would kind of say providing a positive experience is one, and then uh, providing a positive feeling about that experience, which is sometimes different, right? Because you can provide a great experience, but how do people feel about it afterwards? Have you left a lasting impression? Is it the kind of thing that just felt satisfactory in the moment? Or did it go beyond to the point where they're really thinking about it 10 minutes later, 20 minutes later, 30 minutes later, talking to their friends about it, you're getting great word of mouth, uh, uh, you know, as a result of it. And that to me, are you know, those are the value drivers that I'm thinking a lot about these days and hearing a lot about. And, and you bring up experiences, of course, and experiences, you know, are used kind of widely, especially these days in the brick and mortar side, as, as we talk about it it's, it, it's really all about experiences. But what, what does experience mean to you and how do brands define how, how they would define how to create an experience for their brand? Yeah. So for me, I really think about it in terms of every single touch point that you have with the customer doing as good as uh, a job as possible as you can across the board, right? So it's not just the customer service. I think that's the number one thing that people think about in terms of experience. But did they have a good experience in opening your email? How about the SMS that you sent them? How about the moment that, uh, you, you know, like you walk through the stores of a brick and mortar shop? Was that a good experience? Uh, were people nice to you? How about the survey that you send afterwards, right? Like that aftercare survey. Every single one of those things is part of the experience. And some people might even include the product. I'll kind of say everything other than the product, right? Because it's not fair for me to say that experience is literally everything because it doesn't let you know where to focus. But at, at the very least, if you say, okay, I've got a great product. Now, can I have a great experience? Those are really, if you can deliver on both of those, you're a brand that's going to stand out on the market. And you bring up, uh, you know, as, as, as individuals walk through your actual brick and mortar location too, if you, if you have one, one of the things that happened, you know, during, of course, the pandemic is there's brick and mortar operators that had to figure out how to add an uh, e-com type strategy to their brands. There's e-com centric companies that wanted to build build that brick and mortar stores more for, you know, pickup or you know, experience different products or, or whatever the case may be. But why do you think the in-location experience does matter to brands that have a brick and mortar strategy? I mean, I think that ultimately, when you think about it, we are human creatures and we have a lizard brain. We have like, we've obviously evolved in a lot of ways. But we forget that we're animals, right? That a animals like to see each other in person versus uh, through screens. And we obviously have higher fidelity experiences than ever before through digital. But you're right now still at a point where you're getting, generally speaking, a higher fidelity experience through brick and mortar, right? So not everybody always feels that way. But certainly from an experiential standpoint, when you want to 
trial a new brand, when you want to just discover new brands, those are all things that you can do a lot better with, you know, the technology the way it is now in brick and mortar. And obviously by, let's say the end of our lifetimes, we'll be in a very different place. But right now, what we're trying to do often with these digital technologies is we're trying to create an experience that's almost as good and kind of like what we're doing right now, we're recording remotely. I'd love to be in the same room as you, right? Like that would be great. This is the next best thing. And it's pretty good. It's just not as good. What are some of the favorite brands that you enjoy shopping with uh, as you go to kind of brick and mortar locations? So this is an interesting one. I'm going to maybe provide like a, a, a bit of a different answer here, but I'm still going to actually answer the question. I promise. Um, <laughs> I left New York City briefly during the you know start of the pandemic, and uh, I was near a Walmart, a giant Walmart that I could theoretically shop at, but I was scared to. Uh, and and there's normally not a Walmart as part of my life, but uh, I, I heard that they had click and collect, and I had a rental car, so I tried it out. And it was really close drive. Uh, you figure out exactly which space to be in. So you jump in the space. They ask you, which space are you in? As you check in with the, app, uh, with the app. And then they loaded everything into my trunk better than I would have been able to do. And then I drove off. And it was such a great experience that not only did I tell people about it, and obviously I'm talking to your audience about it right now, but also what I noticed is that I started buying more online from Walmart, like replenishment orders after having that good experience in a different channel. And then I started actually researching this. And it turns out that there's data that shows that having a good experience in one channel, like brick and mortar, can have a halo effect so that then people start to buy more from you online, right? At a higher margin. So that is a long story of uh, of basically how I got you know converted into a omni-channel Walmart uh, consumer. That's awesome. That's a great story, actually. And do you feel like, because of that experience, do you, is that what you look for? In the, like, do you look for the same things when you're looking for that, that memorable experience in different brands, or does it vary by the brand and your shopping habits and all the like? That's a really good question, and I think that that's something I think a lot about and I study. So, I mean, part of me, what I think about is that if every brand was supposed to deliver the exact same experience, then brands would be meaningless, right? Each brand has to stand for something, and there are going to be specific things that are native to that brand that you want, right? Like there are some brands where they need to be displaying their commitment to sustainability and you know diversity and inclusion initiatives in the store. And then there are some brands where that would feel a little bit forced, right? So because of that, I really try to think about what are the brands that speak to me that have the values that uh, that I have. And for me, I'm probably a little bit different than most because I like brands that are doing things a little bit more cutting edge because I cover these things day in, day out. But I think for a lot of people, they're just looking for how can I have my needs met in as seamless of a manner as possible, you know, so that there's not like 14 seconds of which parking uh, space do I pull into to get my click and collect or which aisle have they moved home furnishings to, you know, like all of those places where you can reduce friction. That's probably the number one commonality because no brand wants to be, you know, we're the brand that, you know, is pro friction. Right. No, absolutely. Absolutely. As you're thinking about things, you know, one of the, one of the main questions that we get from 
a lot of brands that are either, you know, they're really not focused on creating phenomenal experiences post COVID and or just thinking, hey, I'm actually want to go open up a brick and mortar experience. They ask us all the time, you know, how do I create a quote unquote experience? And of course, our answer is, well, first, let's start with who is your customer? What, what are you actually trying to get them to, to feel after they leave the location? What are they going to feel whether in the location? Do they actually talk about that experience as a memorable experience afterwards? But what are some, do you have like a set of things that you say, you know, as a brick and mortar kind of owner operator, as you're thinking about building a quote unquote experience, what's a framework that you would use to be able to figure out how to actually deliver that experience that you're trying to create for your, for your customers? I mean, I think one of the first things uh, that you just pointed out, which is just really, really important to reiterate, is how valuable it is to understand your consumer first and to see what are they trying to get out of this experience, right? Like that's one of the number one ways that you can design accordingly is know who you're designing for. It seems very obvious. And I think that most organizations still fall down somewhat in that regard. I'd say another one of the top things is to figure out how can you have your organization, you know, how, how can you have different departments speak to one another? And again, one of those things where most organizations think they're a little bit better at that than they are. What I'm finding in my research is that that's very difficult uh, for a lot of organizations because you don't have an experience department most of the time. You know, what you might have is, let's say, somebody who is just as a hypothetical, they're deploying email marketing. And then there's somebody else who is deploying direct mail. And both of those are designed to send people into your brick and mortar experience but the two people who are in charge of those are in different departments and they're not speaking to one another. And one person might get one promotion. Another person might get another. Maybe some somebody is uh, being sent direct mail pieces when they should actually be on your email list, not on direct mail. And this is just one example, but this happens a lot. So really one of the first things to set up is how are you going to organize the internal processes so that the right people are getting in the room and figuring out how systems can speak to one another uh, so that you can really have a cohesive omni-channel strategy. That's actually uh, you know, another area of focus for, for some of our listeners that actually had a, a, a pretty good experience built in their locations, right? But as they think about the e-com side, you know, we, we get this question all the time, how can I create that same experience online? And of course, the experience is not going to be the same. It's going to be different, right? But how do I create that of experience. What advice do you have for brick and mortar operators that really, you know, have have a great phenomenal in location experience for their customers, but are now thinking, how do I still create that memorable experience online for for my customers to shop with me? It's interesting. Sometimes you can provide a really great experience that has a almost the exact same user interface, if you will. Like perfect example is when I ran global digital and social for skincare brand Kiehl's, we were relaunching the website and we said, well, one thing that in store you would get is you would get a number of different samples that would be specific to your skin type. So we said, we have to implement that on the website as well. And then we said, but you know what? You should be able to pick your samples. We shouldn't just throw three samples in. We should give you some choice and it should also be tied to uh, your behavior on site. So in short, what we did is we said, here are places that we can mimic the in-store experience, but also are there ways that we can provide a better experience or at least lean into the val- uh, the 
the advantages of this particular uh, platform. So I think that's what uh, brands really have to do is figuring out how do you recreate that experience that you have in store so that people don't feel that it's a totally different brand, but also how do you leverage the any type of advantages that any new channel gives you, right? So if you can do that, uh, then you're going to have much more loyal customers that are going to be more likely to shop across channels with you. Makes sense. Makes sense. Makes sense. And and as you're thinking about, you know, a lot of brick and mortar operators that were more kind of, I guess, niche niche environments, specialty retail. You know, the, the common question is, how do I encourage people to now come back in my locations to shop? Because maybe they have something that they're trying to provide as an experience that really plays into that in-store experience a lot easier than doing being able to do that online. How do how do those brands encourage uh, folks to come back to, to that in-store shopping experience? I mean, I think that one of the main ways to do that is to lean into what makes uh, these in-store experiences better. Uh, better in some cases, you know, for some consumers. Because if you start to go down the rabbit hole of trying to get people back in store who you're not going to get back in store, you're going to be wasting your time, right? There are going to be some people who they, they purchased in store. You have a website now and now they're buying from you online and maybe it's replenishment, you know, or something like that where they don't have the need to have that type of discovery. But for instance, you know, very uh, high touch customer service. One thing that uh, we found even in our research and for some reports I worked on last year is that in-person customer service, the overall satisfaction with that uh, went up in the last year, you know, and maybe part of it was that you didn't have that many customers that you actually had to serve. So you had more time to spend on a per customer basis. But the fact remains, people generally feel that that in-person customer service experience is higher fidelity. So I would say that for certain types of, I mean, I'll just pick on one retailer, if you will, like let's say Best Buy, right? You have the ability to lean into the, you know, having somebody uh, who's going to be answering questions on a potential $700 purchase. That's the kind of thing that is going to lend itself to, uh, you know, well to, you know, to, to do well in brick and mortar because you are getting a better experience in terms of the human side. But I'd say also technology can play a part. Like there's a lot of technology that does not necessarily play well or can, has not yet been miniaturized, right? So there's a virtual fitting rooms. There's a lot, as you know, there are interactive screens that, uh, you know, like are in store that there's no practical application for them at home yet. So because of that, these are advantages and these are kind of bells and whistles, but really if they add value that the customer can't get by just sitting on their couch and transacting with you, you're giving them a reason to, to show back up at point of sale. And you're talking about technologies, and I know you have a lot of experience in technology. Your, your podcast is even focused on technology. But as you think about technology and specifically retail technologies, what has grown in the last three years in adoption that you you know may have not thought would as fast as it did? I will say that anybody who would have anticipated the growth rates that we've seen in a few different technologies I want to buy them a drink and figure out how they did it because this was obviously a black swan event that kind of you know accelerated digital transformation in so many different ways. But I mean, I I, I would say that 
proximity uh, mobile payments, right? Where, where some people call them digital wallets, but just basically the ability to be able to pay in a contactless manner, you know, for obvious reasons that grew dramatically. And I think that that's something that the e-marketer team, we even put out forecasts on a number of things like uh, PMPs. And we saw that there was significant growth in that area. Click and collect, which we talked about, you know, that's something that has had some dramatic uh, growth, kind of related, but actually I'll, I'll, I'll skip, I'll say a more interesting one, which is augmented reality. In terms of people are obviously using that to transact more online. Okay. But what's interesting is what we've seen is that there are people who are doing their due diligence on a brand and using augmented reality and then just going into the store and completing a transaction faster because they, you know, like they're more familiar, they've got more confidence that a set of glasses is going to fit them, things like that. So I don't know if that was three, maybe it was, but uh, but I mean, there are so many uh, different technologies and innovations that have grown dramatically as a result of everything being upended. Do you think mobile payments, click and collect, do you think those those types of technologies will continue to remain, uh, but the adoption will still remain as high as it is right now post-pandemic? So... Yeah, in short, yes, uh, but like with a caveat, you can, and this is something because I've studied all these different, and I have to for an upcoming report that I'm working on, go pretty deep on a number of different subjects. And what I basically found is pretty much <laughs> any type of digital innovation from click and collect, from proximity mobile payments, you know, augmented reality. Generally speaking, if you wanted to summarize what happened, is that they saw a massive unexpected increase, then it dropped a little bit, dropped a little bit more, and never came back down to normal. Uh, and then if you look at what we're forecasting for a lot of these things year over year, is that are they going to grow at the same rate that they did last year? No, because that would be you know pretty insane for that to happen. But they're not coming back down to reality either. They're actually growing positively. You know, So when you have a technology that grew like let's say 70% year over year and the next year it's 10%. That's still positive. What that means is that people tried these new things and had a generally positive experience and you didn't lose them. And if you think about it, I mean myself included, contactless uh payments was not a thing that I did. Now I did it. I realized it was faster. COVID can go away uh, at some point. And I'll still use it because I COVID was the impetus for me to realize that something was a superior experience. And I think that's what a lot of people are finding. Yeah, no, 100%. And of course, given that you, uh, you know, studied really the, the retail environment and the environments of, of creating really good customer experiences in location, what are some of the technologies? Are there technologies that you're thinking about now and you're like, well, we're going to see those really gain adoption here in the next few years outside of the ones that we've already uh, talked about? I think that there are some that I'm seeing right now and that we haven't talked about that might be worth mentioning. One thing is there are a number of companies that give in-store uh, customer analytics in real time. So you can basically see foot traffic. You can see things that, that will allow you to make a decision to move a merchandising unit the next day because you just have that that granular ability to understand where people are, what people are doing in store, that's very valuable. And I think that that's something that is, you know, like behind the scenes in some ways. And, you know, it's invisible to the end user, but it's still very impactful. 
I think touch-free technology uh, in general is going to see, uh, you know, like you're going to be able to do a lot of things without touch in the future because that's gotten a major push for obvious reasons. And then I think that um, omni-channel e-commerce friendly POS systems. So if somebody buys something online from you and then they bring it back in store and everything's all integrated so you can quickly look up that order and have like a seamless return where maybe even you upsell somebody in the process. I think that that's another interesting thing that we're going to start seeing more of in the future. Makes sense. Makes sense, Jeremy. That was a wealth of information. Um, Is there anything that I, I forgot to ask you that you want to make sure that our listeners know about? Do I perform comedy sometimes? The answer would be yes. Uh, when things are back to normal, uh, come to New York and come to a show. I love that. I love that. What, uh, before I let you go, what are, what are some cool things to do in New York as people start to visit again and travel again? A cool thing to do, do in New York is to to buy up all the property that people abandon. <laughs> no, but 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 I think that obviously, you know, it's it's going to be when it's nice and safe. I mean, the restaurant scene, especially outdoors, uh, is one of the best in the world. I know your area has pretty good stuff too, but um, uh, yeah, I, I definitely I, I encourage everybody when it's safe to you know come here and spend five hundred dollars on mimosas on a Sunday. <laughs> I love it. I'm going to have to come to your comedy too. Awesome. Awesome, Jeremy. Well, thanks again for taking the time. I know our listeners are going to really enjoy this. Appreciate you uh, spending some time with us. Thanks so much for having me. This was great. Absolutely, Jeremy. Have a good one. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Brick and Mortar Reborn. To find the resources mentioned in this show and detailed show notes, head over to brickandmortarreborn.com.